Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. We are in our current series of Follow. Here's this week's message from Pastor Josh Butcher. You've been waiting on something to happen. You're sitting there like somebody's supposed to be talking right now. It didn't happen. Well, uh, as you probably guessed by the video, we are going to uh, be preaching a sermon today called Staying Alive. Um, I guess we'll call it that. If, you're, if, you're, if you like titles and you like that sort of thing, you like Staying Alive on the little note area on the back of your, um, back of your program. Also, if you have the Uversion app on your uh, smartphone or tablet, uh, you can follow along there. If you click live events, search vertical, we are there under Staying Alive. So um, we've got a lot to cover. Um, we are going to read a lot of scripture. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's so much scripture, we're actually going to put it on the screen. Just scoot over beside somebody that's got one and follow along with them. You can look off their phone or, or read over their shoulder. But um, the question that I came out here, have you ever been waiting on something to happen and nothing. Nothing happens. Have you ever been waiting on somebody to arrive at your house? You're expecting a guest or you're expecting family to come and, and you're waiting and they said they would be there at 2.30 to pick up your kids and it's 3 o'clock and they're still not there and you thought you were going to be free at 2.30 and so this 30 minutes is not in your Program and then it's 3.30 and they're still not there. You just keep waiting and nothing happens. Or better yet, if, if you grew up like I grew up, I loved, loved, loved Christmas. Loved Christmas. Still love Christmas. Christmas is a great time of year. It's fun. It's exciting. We're talking about Jesus and we're all giving stuff and celebration of Jesus to each other. But if you're a kid, and you make your Christmas list in like, you know, middle of July. And you're just waiting on Christmas. And it feels like Christmas is never going to get there. Or if you live at my house, another way to, explain, to kind of describe this or explain it. If you live at my house, you're constantly waiting on the mail. I don't know if you have this experience at your house or not. But the mail doesn't actually get to my house until about 6 o'clock in the evening. So whatever's there at 6 o'clock, I, I can do nothing with it. Matter of fact, I did some uh, work for a friend of mine, uh, designed a, a logo for a campaign he was doing, and I'm waiting on that, on that check to come. But guess what? The day it shows up, I can't do anything with it. It's 6 o'clock. Bank's closed. So it's an extra day, so it's like this... Continual waiting, and I don't know where it's at. It's the mail. I feel like the mail doesn't run at my house. You just continue. If you work in the post service, you do a great job. <laughs> you do not help deliver mail to my house. You, it's somewhere. It's somebody else's. It's somebody else's issue. But what do you do when you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and nothing happens? Or better yet, what do you do when you're waiting on God to show up? You pray. You've asked, you've had faith, you've believed, and nothing happens. 
What do you do when you ask Jesus to do something? And nothing happens. Now, I know, uh, I'm sure I'm probably the only one that's ever experienced that in the room. I'm sure that every prayer that you have prayed has gotten, you've received a reply or an answer automatically. And, and this is just me working through my own psycho uh, analysis or, you know, my own psyche. psyche. And I'm just trying to work out my relationship with God in front of you. But there are sometimes I pray and I ask God for stuff and nothing happens. Well, hear from God? See, you're a pastor. You, you have like a direct line. You know, like in the old days when you pick up the phone and call the operator. That's what a pastor has to God. I know. Sometimes I pray and I ask God to move in a situation and nothing happens. What do you do? What do you do? So, if you would entertain me for the next few minutes, I'm just going to try to work out my own issues through Scripture. And if this helps you, then great. And if not, then I'll come out on the other side with a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more encouragement. Okay? And if you're like me, then you can just listen along and let the Lord bless you as He will. Open your Bible to John chapter 11. I told you we're going to read a lot of Scripture. Uh, about a man named Lazarus. And typically, um, the way this goes is, you know, I'll read scripture and then I'll tell you kind of one or two or three things that I find really interesting or intriguing and something you can take home and use. It's not going to happen that way today. Pretty much I'm going to read a little bit, then I'm going to preach a little bit. Then I'm going to read a little bit, then I'm going to preach a little bit. And then by the end of it, I'm going to read almost the entire chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles or you're looking over someone's shoulder who has theirs or someone, you're looking off somebody's phone uh, who has theirs. If you don't have version, but you have a mobile phone, you can also go to something like YouVersion.com uh, or BibleGateway.com and follow along there. John chapter 11. Let's start with verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Well, a parenthetical statement comes next. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. A reference to a story that had just taken place in the Gospel of John. Just to let you know, this is the same person. Connect some dots for us. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, Let us go back to Judea. So, Here's Lazarus. He's sick. And his two sisters are taking care of him. They're making sure he gets his meds, take his ibuprofen. Maybe he's got a sinus infection and he's got some antibiotics to take. Maybe he's got an upset stomach and they're making sure he takes his pepto. I don't know what's wrong with Lazarus, but he's sick. And eventually it gets worse. Really, really worse. Now, Jesus and Lazarus had this relationship John tells us that Lazarus, this is the one Jesus loves. 
what? This is how they tell Jesus that this guy is sick. Said so Jesus, the one you love is sick. But as the situation grows worse, and they reach out to the only person who can really do anything about it. I mean, Mary and Martha, and I'm sure Lazarus has too, they've seen Jesus heal blinded eyes. They've seen Jesus miraculously multiply a few loaves and a few fish and feed thousands of people. They've seen Jesus do the miraculous, so it's not crazy that they would say Jesus Lazarus, your buddy, the, the guy that, that, you know, you're like best friend, he's sick. Would you come here? We've seen you heal other people. Would you heal Lazarus? Would you take care of this for us? And verse 6 actually seems to indicate that the kind of the subtleties of the prepositions and of the text seems to indicate not that Jesus just decided on a whim to stay where he was for two more days, but it seems to indicate that because Jesus loved them, he stayed away two more days. Now, that's troubling to me. Because it seems like when you need Jesus, and not only you love Jesus, but you know he loves you, and you need him, it seems like Jesus ought to show up. But the text seems to say that because Jesus loved them, he didn't come. He didn't come when they asked. He stayed away. So I ask you this morning, have you ever been there? You pray. You have this need. You have a, something that, that you absolutely, this is not, this is not God make sure I've got lucky charms instead of fruit loops in the cabinet this morning when I go to eat my cereal. It's not that kind of prayer. This is a God, I need you right now in the moment. I, I'm not going to make it another day if you don't show up kind of prayer. You believe God. You pray. And then nothing. Pray for your loved one who's sick and they don't get healed. Right then and there. It doesn't happen. You're at your, your job and you're believing God for a promotion. You're telling God, God, if you will... If you will bless me with this promotion, God, you've seen my faithfulness. God, I'm already a tither. I already give 10% to you every week. You've seen my history of faithfulness. God, would you bless me with this promotion? And when you do, God, you know the faithfulness of my heart that I will return to you and, and will give you honor and give you thanks. God, would you do this for me? And nothing. Nothing. Silence. Or you're praying, and God, would you... Deliver my friend. They're addicted and they've got some serious issues and they need deliverance. God, they need you to break the power of that addiction. And, or better yet, you're addicted and you're saying, God, would you break the power of this addiction in my life? And nothing happens. Pray, God, would you restore my marriage? Would you heal it? Nothing. What do you do? When you need God to move. And he doesn't. That's what happens to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They need God to do something amazing and miraculous. And he doesn't. He doesn't show up for them. Let's go on. Let's keep on going. Verse 8. This is a real... I've got to interject some humor because this is a real funny part of the scripture too. You know, the first part is real serious. like, I've been there. I've been where you are, Martha. I've been where you are, Mary. 
But then the disciples come in. Anytime the disciples come in the picture, it gets, it gets funny. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when people walk at night that they stumble, for they have no light. All sorts of stuff there. I don't want to touch it. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. This is what the disciples say. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. You gotta imagine Jesus is looking at I was trying to talk politically. He is asleep. But he he kind of he hints with it. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly. Lazarus is dead. You know, I want to, I don't know when we'll do this, but I want to do like a whole series on the dumb things that the disciples say. <laughs> or, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus smacks him up to them. I was trying to be poetic. The man's dead. That's it. He's dead. But for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Here we go. It keeps it goes on, but let us go to him. Okay, so now we're talking about Lazarus. He's dead. We're going to go to him. Then Thomas, also when his Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. What? Throwing a Lazarus. Anyway, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And that number is actually significant. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. You've ever been to a funeral? Then you know what that verse is talking about. Everybody in town has showed up. Lazarus apparently was fairly well known. Everybody in town, even to the cities near Bethany, Jerusalem, people had come to comfort these two sisters because their brother had died. And he had been dead for four years. Days in Jewish religion, Jewish kind of folklore, really, there was this belief that the soul or the spirit of a person kind of hovered near the body for about three days. But after three days, the spirit exited, the, the soul left the body, and, and there was they were dead. The fact that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days means that Lazarus is dead, dead. Really, completely, fully dead. There's no hope. Absolutely no hope that Lazarus is going to make any kind of recovery. He's dead dead. Like your dreams are dead dead. Like your marriage is dead dead. Like your relationship with your daughter is dead dead. The do not resuscitate sign is hanging over your job. You got laid off and they just hung the sign over and said, do not resuscitate. It's dead, dead. Fully, completely dead. It's like, it's like your dreams for your kids. They've gone off and done just crazy stuff. And you've asked God, God, would you shake them? And nothing happens and they are dead, dead. They're gone. They're without hope, without any means of of restoration. It doesn't stop there. 
John chapter 11, continuing with verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet them, meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I'm not real sure, but I don't think that's the way you talk to the Son of God. That's pretty raw. If you had been here, I can, I can imagine Jesus is just kind of walking up with his disciples, you know. And here she comes, this grieving, incredibly just devastated lady. And she looks at Jesus and tears are in her eyes and she just tells him what she thinks. She tells him how she feels. If you had been here, if you would have showed up when I asked you to, if you would have answered the prayer when I prayed it the first time, this situation wouldn't have happened. Jesus, it's your fault that Lazarus is dead. That's raw. That is intense. And you may feel like that. And you know what? It's fine. Because the truth is, the, the, the logical truth in this scripture is if Jesus had not stayed away, if he would have come when he was asked, Lazarus wouldn't have died as Jesus would have healed him. This is what Mary Martha thinks. This is, her, this is her reasoning. So to her, Lazarus is dead because Jesus didn't come. And you know what? You might feel like your, your dreams are dead because Jesus didn't come. And you might be angry. And you might want to stick your finger in the Son of God's face and say, if you would have shown up when I asked you to, I am faithful. You love me and I love you. We have a relationship. If you would have shown up when I asked, this would have happened. You might feel like that. And if you do, fine. Martha did. And Jesus doesn't scold her. Jesus doesn't smack her upside the head and say, how dare you talk to me like that? You know who I am. Didn't do that. So if you've been there and you feel like that, then you're in company with Martha. Verse 22. This is when it starts turning around. This is good. But I know. See, she just said, if you had been there, Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, after four days, after my brother is completely, fully, totally dead, they, they throw the stone in front of his grave, Jesus. But I believe that even now, even now, after the foreclosures happened because I lost my job, even now, after the papers have already been signed, and I don't believe that anybody else will ever love me, even now, after my kid is laced out and dumped out on drugs, and there's no hope, even now, I believe Jesus. Even now. She looks at me. She's feeling every ounce of emotion that she can muster up. She's angry, but she's still got some faith. She's mad, but she still believes. She looks at him and she says, if you would have showed up, but even now, I still believe God will give you whatever you ask. After years of rejection and loneliness, 
even now. After your dream has been shattered and it looks like there's no hope, the thing is dead, dead. Even now, maybe God didn't show up when you thought you really needed him to save the situation. And now the situation is dead, dead, dead. Can you still have hope when the thing is dead, dead? Can you still believe? Can you still trust God even when he doesn't show up? Even now, can you still I like Jesus' response to her in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Let me tell you, that is not comforting. Because I can imagine Jesus is kind of putting his hand on his shoulder. Your brother will rise again. You know, when you get that kind of comfort and you're the person in need, that's aggravating. Because you know how she's taking it by her response. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yeah, I know. Someday. I know. I know. But in the moment, you don't want to hear somebody tell you it's going to get better someday. Hey, it's, it's going to get better someday. Hey, there's, this, there's, a, there's a silver lining around every cloud someday. And you know that's how she took it. Because she says, yeah, Jesus, I, I know. One day. One day he'll rise again in the resurrection. One day. See, when I started reading this and studying this, I wasn't ready for how Jesus responded to her. I don't think she was ready for how Jesus responded to her. She says, yeah, Jesus, I, I know. I know. Someday. One day. I don't know when. Someday. He'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus looks at him. Compassion in his eyes, knowing that she didn't quite catch what he was saying. He says, I am the resurrection. And the life. You see, up until this point, the only thing the people had known Jesus was that he could do some really great things. They had seen Jesus heal some blinded eyes. Up to this point, Jesus had been a provider of fish and bread. Up to this point, Jesus had been a healer of diseases and blindness. But now, Jesus is totally flipping the script. Jesus is, notice Jesus didn't say, I am able to resurrect your brother. You see, is it possible that God didn't show up when they asked for him? Is it possible that God didn't show up when you asked for him because he's about to show you a deeper level of who he is? Is it possible that if God let something die in your life, it was because he wanted to show you not what he can do, but who he is? You see, if God did everything we wanted and showed up every time we called, I have a feeling we would trust in what he does, not in who he is. See, so you can still trust in God even when he doesn't show up and the thing dies of dead, dead. You can still trust in God because of who he is. You can place your faith in him because he is good. You can trust him with your life because he is just and righteous, even when he doesn't seem 
just and righteous. Because the truth is that our perception of what God should and shouldn't do is skewed. You see, Scripture tells us that His ways are beyond our ways. That He is wise beyond our wisdom. That he, his, his plans for us are not our plans. He is wise. He is just. He is righteous beyond our perception of His righteousness and justice. Scripture continues. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He looks at her and asks her a question. I believe it's the question Jesus is asking us. Do you believe this? You notice Jesus didn't ask her if she understood. He said, do you understand what I'm telling you? Because quite honestly, he knew she didn't. He knew she didn't understand. He knows that you and I don't understand. I understand what Jesus is saying. I don't know the ins and outs and the details of it. That doesn't make logical reasoning sense to me. But isn't asking it does. He just says, do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that anything that's even dead, dead, that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that even now I can perform the miracles? Do you believe this? I have to understand it. I have to comprehend it. Jesus didn't even ask her if she believed that he could raise Lazarus. See, he wasn't asking her do you believe in what I'm about to do? He's asking her, do you believe in who I am? You've seen me do a lot of things. Now I want to know if you believe in who I am. You know what? I know things didn't work out the way you thought they would. I know things didn't work out the way you hoped they would. I know Jesus didn't show up when you expected. And now... You know what you do. Your foundation has been rocked. Your world's spinning in circles. You're not sure if you can trust or who you can trust or what you can trust. You're not really even sure if you can take another step. Jesus asks the same question. Do you believe? Do you believe? You don't have to understand. Do you believe? See, I believe that the answer to that question will determine the trajectory that our life takes. Do you believe I am who I say I am? Even when the math doesn't line up, even when the circumstances don't make sense, even when the thing looks dead, dead, do you believe in who I am? Let's jump down. Jesus actually engages in this conversation. Mary comes up and he asks them where they have put Lazarus and they take him and Jesus is crying. Everybody's crying. And then there's the scene that, I mean, it's the, it's what happens. Jesus once more, verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Mary's response is interesting. But Lord, 
said Martha, the sister of the dead. Martha's response, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor. For he has been there four days. Here she stands, minutes away from the resurrection of her brother, and she's complaining about the smell. Here she stands. She's about to receive her dead brother back from life, and she's nervous that he might smell back. She's nervous. What are people going to think when they smell that aroma, that stink of death on its body? How many of us miss out on the miraculous because we're afraid of exposing the stink of our own life? Well, I don't. Jesus, you want me to roll away the stone and let people in, but gosh, that's going to be going to find out who I really am. I don't think I can do that. So we refuse to roll away the stone because people might think when we roll it away they might see that we're not all we cracked up to be. We're not all that we acted like we were. We have a little bit of stink on us. And so we oftentimes just let the stone sit and our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations, our miracle lies dead in cave because we refuse to roll away the stone because we're afraid. Jesus, it might stink a little bit. It's not going to be comfortable. Jesus, not deterred, looks and says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people. Standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, there's two things here. Number one, only God can raise the dead. He expects you to roll one stone. Only God has the power to take something that's dead and breathe life into it. Only God can change your situation. Only God can heal. Only God can breathe new life. Only God can take your stake and do something with it. But you and I must roll away the stone. Number two, he just asked for Lazarus. I heard a preacher say this one time. You notice he just said Lazarus because if he didn't use Lazarus' name, then the graves would just start bursting open because he had that kind of power. If he had just said, come forth, then people all over the place would start going, whoa, Because here's the gut-wrenching, honest truth about it. And this hurts as a pastor to say this. There are some things that die that will stay dead. There are some things that die. Jesus brings back to life. Here's the reality of it. You and I, we can't bring anything back to life. All we can do is roll away the stone. You see, when we, we don't have life to breathe into something, if we bring something that's meant to be dead back to life, they call that a zombie. That's never good. 
When Jesus does it, it's a normal human thing. When we try to do it, it's a monster. So look, I don't know if your dead thing is supposed to come back to life or not. Not up for me to decide. But what, what I do is I pray with you that you roll away the stone, expose the stake in your life. And if Jesus says, come forth, then let it come forth. And if he doesn't, well, he's God. So the dead man, verse 44, we're almost finished. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, this is the last part, this is good. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. You see, Lazarus came out of the, 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 the cave, he came out of the grave all bandaged up, all, all tied up. Because when you get raised from the dead, you don't look pretty. When you, when you come back from the dead and you're on the other side, you're not all prim and proper. You're bandaged and wounded and bruised up. Somebody threw you in that thing. They tied you up, but you come out on the other side. You might come out messed up, bruised up, and all bandaged up, but you come out. You might come out tied up with grave clothes on and a little bit of stink, but you come out. And you can't be nervous when you come out of the grave what you're going to look like on the other side. Because if you're nervous about what you're going to look like when you come out of the grave, you won't roll away the stone. So you can't be nervous that I've got grave clothes on and I don't want to go out there because I'm all bandaged up and I'm all wrapped up and tied up. You were dead. Jesus brought you back to life. You might not look pretty. You might stink a little bit. But if you roll away the stone, you stand a better than average chance that the Son of God's going to resurrect something dead in your life. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. I told you it would work. I've been, this has been sweating on me since January. I read this when I was going through a First 21 days of the year. Eating on me for months. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to roll away some stones. We're going to call some dead things to life. That's what we're going to do. You don't seem that excited about it. It's alright. When Jesus looks into your, your life and sees something that's dead and calls it and raises it and brings resurrection, you will be excited. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Our prayer team, if you go ahead and come up. Pastor Brian and I are going to lay hands on some people. We're going to call some dead things a lot. Because Here, here's the reality. Here's the honest truth. This is not crazy. If you follow Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus this morning, he's already done this for you what scripture tells us. Scripture doesn't tell us that we were bad people that Jesus made good. Scripture tells us that we were dead in our sins. We have been made alive in Christ. Jesus is already in the resurrection of your life. Jesus has already resurrected the deadness in your life and brought new life to Christ if you love and follow him. And if you don't, we can change that this morning.
Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this message has helped you or encouraged you in some way. Just go to verticalchurch.tv and click on the Amen corner in the upper right-hand part of the page. It's the little pencil icon. From there, you can send us a message and uh, let us know what God is doing in your life. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you soon on a Sunday at a Vertical Church worship experience. Directions and times are available on the website at www.verticalchurch.tv. Thank you.